For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the spiritual battle between Jacob and Esau. This is part five of the series. Next, we're going to share with you the characteristics of the end of days, end time battle between Jacob and Esau. And in order to understand the significance of how there is an end time battle between Jacob and Esau in the end of days, when Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, it's vitally important to first understand the biblical principle that the end is told in the beginning, or biblical history is prophecy. We can see how the end is told in the beginning from Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11, as it is written. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. So in what context is the God of Israel making the claim that there is nobody like him? Well, it's regarding biblical prophecy wherein we're told in Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10 declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying my counsel will stand and I will do all my pleasure. Verse 11, I have spoken it when in the beginning. I will bring it to pass, when, in the end. I have purposed it, when, in the beginning. I will also do it, when, in the end. We can see this as well from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 as it is written. The thing that has been, that is the past or history, is that which shall be, that is the future. And that which is done is that which shall be done, for there is no new thing under the sun. We can see this as well in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15 as it is written. That which has been, that is the past, is now. And that which is to be, the future, has already been, that is the past. Because God requires regarding the future that which happened in the past. This principle is also communicated in the commentary on the Torah to the book of Genesis by Moses Nachmanides, or the Ramban, on pages 168 and 169, as he explains, I will tell you a principle, and that is, whatever has happened to the patriarchs is a sign or a prophecy to their children, or what will happen to their descendants. He goes on to say, when an event happens to any one of the 
three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that which is decreed to happen to his children can be understood. The Torah is a prophetic parable about the end of days. We can see this from Psalm chapter 78. In verse 1, it is written, Give ear, O my people, to my Torah. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So the subject of this verse is the Torah. And what's said about the Torah in verse 2 is the following, I will open my mouth in a parable. So putting the thought together, the Torah is a parable. And in Psalm chapter 78 verse 4 it is written, We will not hide them from their children, showing the generation to come. The word to come is the Strong's number 314 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. And it's the Hebrew word akaron, which means the last, or the latter, or the end. So we could translate it showing the last generation. The Torah is a parable that will be shown to the last generation. That being the case, let's see how the birth of Jacob and Esau in Genesis chapter 25 is associated with this principle. From the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1055, making reference to Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, it is written, And Hashem, the Lord, said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two regimes from your insides shall be separated. The might shall pass from one regime to the other. The commentary to these verses from the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1056, is as follows. The rendering of La'amim, translated as regimes, follows the interpretation of Rashi, one of the most prominent Jewish commentators of the Torah in Orthodox Judaism, who was a rabbi of the Middle Ages, explains from the Hebrew phrase, the word La'am always denotes a kingdom, meaning a people living together under one form of government. And according to Radok, it means that Jacob and Esau will be ideologically at odds with each other forever. In the commentary to, And the might shall pass from one regime to the other, from the Talmud in Megillah 6a, understands it to mean the following. The two of them, Jacob and Esau, will never be mighty simultaneously. When one falls, the other will rise. And that war between them is inevitable. Malbum states that this condition began when each conquered his own land, and the conflict between them will continue until the coming of the Messiah. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1024, it explains that Jacob and Esau have two completely different worldviews. The commentary is as follows. Jacob and Esau cannot rise independently of one another. The conditions of their development, upbringing, blessings, and history were divinely designed to foster conflict between the two brothers who were to become two nations. And the history of the world would be played out in the rivalry between the philosophies of good and evil as represented by them. And there could be no compromise among them because they are diametrically opposed to each other. From the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1057, to the next verse in Genesis chapter 25, verse 24, where it says, The elder, that would be Esau, will serve the younger, that is Jacob. And when her term to bear grew full, then behold. The commentary to this verse in the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1057, to the elder will serve the younger, 
is that ultimately, in the end, the younger, that is Jacob, will prevail. And that Jacob will only ultimately prevail over Esau through the coming of the Messiah and in Messianic times. So according to one Midrash, this prophecy will be fulfilled in the days of the Messiah. Malbum connects this verse to the book of Obadiah, chapter 1, verse 21, which describes Messianic times, when deliverers shall go up to Mount Zion to rule the hill country of Esau, and the dominion shall be the Lord's. Now in Genesis chapter 25, verse 24, where the text says there were twins in her womb, the word twins is the Strong's number 8380 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. It is the Hebrew word ta'om. Now, ta'om is usually spelled with the Hebrew letter aleph. But in Genesis chapter 25, verse 24, the aleph is omitted in the Hebrew spelling of the word twins. From the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1058, it explains, The reference to birth in Jacob and Esau being born is a reference or a prophecy or a hint to Messianic times. Malbum interprets this entire incident explaining the birth of Jacob and Esau as pertending to Messianic times, and that Messianic times is symbolized by the word birth. From the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1061, in reference to Genesis chapter 25, verse 26, which says, After that his brother emerged with his hands grasping the heel of Esau, so he named him Jacob. The interpretation from the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1061, to this verse is as follows. Jacob, which is in Hebrew, Yaakov, is a play on the Hebrew word akev, meaning heel, because Jacob took hold of Esau's heel. These are the thoughts of Rashi. But according to Sephorno, the name means at the end, a cave of time. Jacob will endure as the victor in the constant struggle with Esau. This was symbolized or was prophesied by Jacob grasping his brother's heel, alluding to in Hebrew, to the end of days. So Jacob's name in Hebrew is Yaakov, and the Hebrew word Akev is an adverb, and it means end. We can see it translated as end in Psalm 119, verse 12, as it is written. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes always, even unto the end, Akev. So, linguistically, contained within the name Jacob in Hebrew, Yaakov, is not only a reference to the heel, but has a prophetic connection to the end of days. Next, we're going to see the rabbi saw from Genesis chapter 27, verses 21 and 22, where it says, And Isaac said to Jacob, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are Esau's hands that the voice of Jacob is a reference to following the Torah. In the hands of Esau represents this world, worldly strength. From the Art Scroll of Genesis to the commentary to this verse on page 1022, it reads, The concept of material ascendancy is described by the word yadim, hands, for sustenance, a reference to the material world, the labor of one's hands. But the Hebrew word voice, which is kol, spiritually, the voice is going to be associated with Torah and prayer. And then the commentary is made, if Jacob would not be fully practicing 
his spirituality following the Torah. He would lose his superiority in the world to Esau. And Jacob could get the upper hand over his brother Esau in the material world if Jacob maintains his spirituality and cling to the Torah. Continuing in the commentary regarding this verse from the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1023, referring to Jacob, when one has in his throat the exaltation of God, when his throat vibrates with the voice of Torah and prayer, then his hands are armed with a double-edged sword that can overcome the powerful hands that hold the world in their sway. When the voice is Jacob's voice, when he's following the Torah, the strength of Esau or the hands of Esau become impotent. There is no other way for Jacob to control the course of material events. The material world is the way of Esau. But if Jacob neglects the exaltation of God in following the Torah, which is his ultimate lever of power over Esau, he then in the material world would be subservient to his mightier brother. Continuing in the commentary to the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1028, that Esau would subdue the world for the gratification of his lust to acquire and to dominate for selfish ends. Continuing from the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1062, in reference to Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, where it reads, The lads grew up, and Esau became one who knew hunting, a man of the field. But Jacob was a wholesome man, abiding in tents. The commentary to the lads grew up is as follows. When they each reached 13 years of age, their varying dispositions became manifest. Jacob spent his time in houses of study about the God of Israel and his ways. And Esau visited idolatrous temples. This is the explanation of Rashi. And then the commentary to Jacob abiding in tents from the art scroll of Genesis page 1064. The tents is a reference to the schools of Shem and Eber. This is the understanding of Rashi. And along these lines, another commentary says that Jacob dwelt among the tents of Abraham and Isaac and received instruction from both of them. So Jacob learned the ways of the God of Israel from Shem, Eber, Abraham, and his father Isaac. Next, from the Art Scroll Commentary to the book of Ezekiel, page 542, it explains the spiritual principle that when Esau rises, Jacob falls, and vice versa. The commentary reads as follows. Throughout its history, as Israel fulfilled its destiny as God's chosen people, it subjugated Esau. But when Israel lost its perspective, forgot its own unique character, and departed from the Torah, Esau would rise as Jacob fell in his spiritual closeness to the God of Israel. So now, in reiterating that biblical history's prophecy, or what happens to the forefathers, is a sign or is a prophecy of what will happen to their descendants, from the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1406, it reads, Everything that happened to Jacob with his brother Esau foreshadows the future experiences of Israel with Esau's descendants. So now we're going to look at the understanding of Genesis chapter 32 verse 4 and we're going to read from the art scroll of Genesis page 1408. The text reads, Then Jacob sent messengers or angels ahead of him to Esau his brother to the land of Seir, the field of Edom. And the commentary is that 
The purpose of Jacob doing this is he wanted to appease Esau. Because we can see from Genesis chapter 32 verses 5 and 6 that Jacob sent the messengers with this instruction. He charged them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, So said your servant Jacob, I have lodged with Laban, and I have lingered until now. I have acquired oxen and donkeys and sheep and servants and maidservants, and I am sending to tell my lord to gain favor in your eyes. And the understanding and commentary of Rashi regarding the intent of Jacob was that Jacob was extending a hand of friendship to Esau. We find this in the Art Scroll of Genesis on page 1411. However, instead of having a friendship mindset, Esau prepared to meet Jacob with the possibility of going to war with Jacob. We can see this from Genesis chapter 32 verses 7 and 8. And the messengers of the angels returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother to Esau. Moreover, he is heading toward you and with him 400 men. And as a result, Jacob became very frightened and distressed. The commentary in the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1413, is that Esau's intentions in coming to Jacob was to wage war. This was the understanding of Radok, as he said, the 400 men that was with Esau was not with peaceful intent. And the language here is similar to Numbers chapter 20, verse 20 when Edom went out toward the children of Israel with a massive force. What happens following, as is shown to us from the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1450, from Genesis chapter 33, verses 4 and 5, it says that Esau ran toward Jacob and kissed him, and they wept. But in a Torah scroll, above the Hebrew where it says, and he kissed him, there are dots above the Hebrew in the Torah scroll. So what's the meaning of the dots? The explanation as given in the art scroll of Genesis is that midrashically because there are dots above the word which is unique it calls for special attention being given to the event that is happening and even the word itself. Continuing the commentary in the art scroll of Genesis on page 1450 that the reason for this in the opinion expressed by Rashi from the Midrash, from the words of Rabbi Yanai to Rabbi Shimon, is as follows. If Esau's kiss was sincere, why in the Torah scroll are there dots above the word? Left undotted, the event would be taken at face value, and there would be no special spiritual significance. But rather, the dots in the Torah scroll signify that Esau's intention was not to embrace in a friendly manner Jacob, but in his heart, in his thoughts, in his mind, he wanted to do evil. He wanted to bite him. He even still had desires to kill him. So given that we can see how these things are prophetic, where we are told in Genesis chapter 32 verse 8 that Jacob became very frightened and distressed, this is what Jeremiah was referring to in Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 5 through 7. And speaking about the end of days and the end time battle between Jacob and Esau, where he writes, For thus says the Lord, We've heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? 
Now Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7. Alas, for that day is great so that there is none like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved or redeemed or delivered out of it. So Jacob's trouble was a reference to the end time tribulation or, or great tribulation period. The time before Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And as a result of Jacob's fear and distress in meeting Esau, it goes on to say in Genesis chapter 32 that Jacob was left alone and he wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. In the commentary in the Art School of Genesis, page 1438, to until the break of day or the break of dawn, the long night represents the exile. And the break of dawn is a reference to the end of the exile, which is associated with the coming of the Messiah. Now, speaking of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, the context in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, is that Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, will return to their land during Jacob's trouble. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, it is written, For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers, and they shall possess it. So speaking about Israel and Judah returning to the land, it goes on to say that that day is great, it's none like it, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. So let's summarize this part of the teaching where we looked at not only the birth of Jacob and Esau, and the words that are said to them by their father Isaac when he was blessing them in Genesis chapter 27, but also in Genesis chapter 32 when Jacob was returning from being with Laban for 20 years and was returning to the land and encountered Esau along the way. The way in which we studied and examined and understood these things were as follows. Number one. Biblical history is prophecy, and what happened to the forefathers is a prophecy of what will happen to their descendants. Therefore, number two, the conflict between Jacob and Esau at their birth is a prophecy of the conflict between them that will go on in each generation until the final generation of this age in the end of the exile, which is associated with the coming of the Messiah. Number three, the Hebrew word for twins is spelled defectively when referring to the birth of Jacob and Esau. And this is a prophecy that while being twins, they were not identical twins, not only physically, but also in the fact that they had two different opposing worldviews. Number four, when Jacob grabbed Esau's heel, it was a prophecy that at the end, a play in Hebrew for the word Jacob, which is Yaakov, that at the end, Jacob would prevail over Esau but only in Messianic times. Number five, when Jacob confronted Esau in Genesis chapter 32, and as a result was afraid and distressed, it was a prophecy of the end of days, which Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 referred to as Jacob's trouble, when the events in the world will cause Jacob to be greatly afraid. Number six, when Esau kissed Jacob in Genesis chapter 33, well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, the spiritual battle between Jacob and Esau. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.
Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.